Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Interflex second quarter 2021 results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star one on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star then zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker, Mr. Stefan Ali, Vice President, Strategy and Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. Here with me are Mark Rossiter, Enterflex's President and Chief Executive Officer, Sanjay Bishnoi, Enterflex's Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, and Ben Park, Enterflex's Vice President, Corporate Controller. During this call, we'll be providing our financial results for the three months ended June 30th, 2021, a brief commentary on the performance of our three business segments, and a summary of our financial position. Today's discussion will include forward-looking statements regarding Enterflex's expectations for future performance and business prospects. Forward-looking information involves risks and uncertainties, and the stated expectations could differ materially from actual results for performance. For more information, please see the advisory comments within our news release, MDNA, and other regulatory filings. Approximately one hour following the completion of this call, a recording will be available on our website under the Investor section. During this call, unless otherwise stated, we'll be referring to the three months and to June 30th, 2021, compared to the same period of 2020. We'll proceed on the basis that you've all taken the opportunity to read yesterday's press release. I'll now turn the call over to Mark. Thanks, Stefan, and good morning, everyone. At this time last year, WTI was recovering from negative territory, while natural gas was near all-time lows. Fast forward a year, and commodity prices have staged an incredible rebound as the global economy recovers. Oil is seeing its highest price since 2018, steadying around $70 a barrel, while both Henry Hub and ACO gas prices are respectively hovering near $4 their highest price in five years, underpinned by increased fuel switching, industrial use, and power demand. In addition, rig counts are increasing at a healthy pace, up over 100% since this time last year, with additional increases expected through to year end. This tailwind for the industry resulted in Interflex delivering solid second quarter results across all regions and business lines. Benefiting our results were stronger contributions from our asset ownership platform, where utilization of our U.S. contract compression fleet improved to a second quarter average of 85%, while exiting the quarter at 88%, illustrating the resilience of these investments and meeting our expectations of stronger utilization as commodity prices rebounded and production returned to the market. U.S. gas production is approximately 93 BCF per day, which is nearing 2019's average of 95 BCF per day, and is concentrated in locations such as the Permian Basin, which is well-suited to the configuration of Interflex's fleet. 
Our contract compression business has been further supported by exercising patience in deploying large horsepower to ensure favorable contracts, including with respect to duration and pricing. We've also witnessed increasing demand for electrified rental compression as our customers turn their minds to managing their environmental impact and reducing scope one emissions. In fact, over half of our 2021 contract compression build schedule is dedicated toward electric compression. We expect that demand for e-compression will continue to strengthen in geographies where it can be readily deployed as clients continue prioritizing their decarbonization efforts. In addition to our contract compression fleet, our international boom assets continue their strong performance across all geographies. We are progressing the 10-year boom project booked during the first quarter of 2021 and have line of sight to several other 10-year boom opportunities in our rest of world segment that would be underpinned by take-or-pay contracts with strong counterparties. As we've stated before, provided that our expectations for strengthening engineered systems bookings activity come to fruition, we are prepared to deploy additional capital this year toward accretive asset ownership opportunities that can further contribute to the stability and predictability of our earnings profile. Consequently, very meaningful to us is the increase in engineered systems backlog for the second consecutive quarter. Bookings of over 154 million represent the highest bookings quarter since the first quarter of 2020 and are reflective of improved macro indicators for oil and gas demand and strengthening balance sheets across the sector. As stated in our last earnings call, we anticipated bookings improvement to occur this year given the rapid increase in rig counts, which our bookings typically lag by roughly six to eight months. While bookings activity accelerated near the end of the second quarter, our outlook for the remainder of the year remains unchanged in that we expect the second half of 2021 to show stronger bookings activity than the first half. Notably, bookings activity is roughly allocable in thirds by end destination, fueling optimism for a broad-based recovery. While some regions may recover faster than others, our geographically diversified platform ensures we're positioned to participate wherever activity is focused. We are also happy to see recent bookings more heavily concentrated towards gas processing applications versus compression, with demand coming from each of the upstream, midstream, and petrochemical sectors. We've dedicated resources over the years to increasing our capabilities and expertise in complex gas processing applications and are proud that our reputation for successfully delivering has assisted us in securing additional gas processing projects this year. Our aftermarket services business was stable through the quarter, recovering from the prior quarter's seasonality and weather-induced weakness. A recovery for the AMS business will likely take several quarters but we do expect a gradual return of activity as the year progresses. Turning to our energy transition efforts, we have completed significant work in deepening our understanding of how the transition might unfold and are already seeing significant number of inquiries for lower carbon solutions, including in respect of e-compression, where we're currently bidding several opportunities, and other constructive discussions regarding carbon capture and sequestration, biofuels and renewable natural gas, and hydrogen. With rate counts increasing, economies reopening, and supportive demand dynamics for both oil and gas and certain energy transition solutions, we're optimistic that the industry is turning the corner 
and are focusing our attention towards supporting our global customers and their development plans while simultaneously building capabilities to capture opportunities within the energy transition landscape. Lastly, I would like to once again thank Interplex's employees for their devotion and commitment through this downturn. This has been one of the most turbulent periods for the oil and gas industry, which we can only navigate because of the talents of our hardworking, dedicated team. As we return to in-person collaboration, the future looks bright for Interflex, and we're well positioned to continue participating in the industry's recovery. I will now turn things over to Sanjay to review our financial results. Thanks, Mark. Second quarter revenue of $205 million decreased versus the prior year period due primarily to lower engineered systems revenue on lower opening backlog and reduced contribution from some major projects that were largely completed by the third quarter of 2020. Despite lower engineered systems revenue, bookings of $155 million improved our backlog by over 80% relative to December 31, 2020, reflecting the improving conditions for the oil and gas industry and for our engineered systems business. Both service revenue and rentals revenue were in line with the comparable period as industry activity improved off the lows seen in the preceding quarter. Rentals continue to benefit from the improved utilization of our USA contract compression fleet and contributions from our growing portfolio of international boom assets, despite a weaker U.S. dollar negatively impacting revenue in many of our operating regions. Gross margins decreased over the comparative quarter on lower revenue, but the decrease was partially offset by increased contributions from recurring revenue product lines which yield a higher gross margin as a percent of revenue. Overall, gross margin as a percent of revenue increased. SG&A decreased versus the comparative period driven by lower compensation expense, cost recoveries related to government assistance programs, and the absence of bad debt provisions that were taken in the second quarter of 2020. Interflex remains disciplined in managing working capital Remaining direct material inventories will be realized into engineered systems projects and new contract compression units over time, including as part of projects booked during the quarter. As business activity increases, we expect to manage our talent, shop capacity, and supply chains to capitalize on any uptick while continuing to balance working capital across each of our regions. During the quarter, we invested $12.5 million of capital towards units in our U.S. rental fleet, which has grown to approximately 380,000 horsepower. From a capital allocation perspective, we are seeing several opportunities to deploy capital globally at attractive returns and with our counterparties uh, with whom we have deep relationships. We have a current opportunity set exceeding $100 million an improved outlook for engineered systems bookings, and our balance sheet strength, we expect to pursue additional asset ownership investments through to year end, funded through a combination of cash on hand and debt. However, we will maintain a conservative leverage position, having exited the quarter with a bank-adjusted net debt to EBITDA of 1.18 times, compared to a maximum ratio of 3 to 1. This bank-adjusted net debt-to-EBITDA ratio relates specifically to the company's bank facilities and notes and excludes the new non-recourse credit facility 
which had approximately 43 million drawn on June 30th. With significant liquidity on our revolver and the possibility that engineered systems activity could pick up, Interflex is well positioned to consider additional growth capex as attractive opportunities present themselves. Our net debt decreased by over 150 million versus June 30th, 2020, as we continued to use cash to decrease net leverage and strengthen our balance sheet. With respect to liquidity, Interflex has 99 million of cash on hand, using cash during the quarter for more substantial repayments of long-term debt. In addition, we have access to 685 million on our bank facility, giving us significant flexibility to manage our resources as the industry recovers and to consider organic and or inorganic growth. Lastly, Interflex Board will continue to evaluate dividend payments on a quarterly basis based on the availability of cash flow and anticipated market conditions, yesterday declaring a dividend of $0.02 per share to be paid on October 7, 2021. This completes the formal component of the webcast. Additional details can be found on our August 4th press release. We will now be happy to take any questions. Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question will come from Michael Robertson with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning all. Uh, congrats on a solid quarter and uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, you posted uh, really impressive margins in the quarter, driven by what appears to be a, a combination of revenue mix and SG&A savings. Uh, with bookings picking up for engineered systems, I was wondering what kind of capacity do you have right now to absorb additional activity with your, your sort of current headcount? And uh, should we expect a similar level of SG&A moving forward, or are you, uh, you anticipating more of a ramp up as that segment recovers? Michael, this is Mark Roster. Thanks for the question. Uh, we've, we've done a lot of work in uh, probably the last two or three quarters thinking about our human capital and making sure that we have the appropriate human capital to take advantage of the, the ramp up in activity in our sector. So we're, um, we, we've, uh, we, we got the people to execute on the work that we need to do. I don't think that you'll see a meaningful change in our SG&A's percentage of revenue that if you go back a number of years into the ups and downs of the business, but it's hard for us to predict quarter by quarter where it's going to be. Fair enough. Uh, that, that's helpful, caller. Um, I guess in, in that vein, um, given the, the expected pickup in engineered systems activity and the inflationary pressures we're seeing in the cost of you know, uh, raw materials and labor, um, are, are you at a point where you're facing some headwinds on input prices, or are you able to avoid the bulk of that, at least in the near term, by uh, continuing to chip away at uh, existing inventory? Yeah, good morning, Michael. This is Sanjay. Um, you know, I would say that uh, we've been able to manage uh, the inflationary pressures that we've, we've seen in the supply chain so far, uh, you know, through, as you, as you mentioned, um, our inventory, which has been, you know, coming down. Uh, but at the same time, also just being able to uh, pass it along uh, to the market. So uh, we, we feel like we've been able to manage uh, those pressures uh, to date. Um, based, based on what you're seeing today, how much 
more, uh, I guess, runway do you think you have in that regard before you'd, you'd be encountering, you know, a more, a more significant uh, increase in, in input costs? Um, I, yeah, Michael, this is Mark. I mean, we, we work very closely with our supply chain, obviously, and we understand the price increases that they're going to bring to us with a, enough advance notice to uh, deal with those numbers with our customers. So like Sanjay said, we do have some inventory that's obviously at old prices, and we chip away at that, but really the, the bulk of the new orders, uh, the costs are going to be new things we have to buy to fulfill the orders. And as we estimate those things, it's very much in real time sort of bang, bang stuff to, to make sure that we got the right input costs. Got it. Well, uh, listen, that's, that's a really helpful caller. I will jump back in the queue. Thanks a lot for taking my question. Thank you. Our next question will come from Aaron McNeil with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Hey, morning all. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, you guys mentioned in your prepared remarks that you're seeing several opportunities for boom projects internationally that an aggregate add up to more than $100 million. Uh, can you sort of frame the opportunity a bit more in terms of you know, number of projects, the potential timeline, to award or spending, and as you mentioned as well in your prepared remarks, you know, you're tying increased capex to higher bookings activity. So I'm wondering, you know, is there any read-through implications for the remainder of your 2021 capital program? Aaron, this is Mark. Um, I'll talk about the the opportunity, and I'll ask Sanjay to give you an update on the capex for the year. The the opportunity set for Boom is what it's always been. It's international. It's you know, five to ten year. Um, take-or-pay contracts, it's compressor stations, gas plants, natural gas infrastructure. The projects can be anywhere from 50 to $150 million over the years. That's sort of been the, the, the brackets of the projects we do. I wouldn't want to get into the number of projects or the value of each one today. Um, the, what I would like to, to let you know is, is that the pipeline of new opportunities is quite solid for those investments. And um, it's business that we like. It provides above average return, and it's a real priority for the people in the international segment. Yeah, and I'll, I'll take your question on uh, the capital budget for 2021. Um, you know, we we gave some guidance. You know, 50 to 100 million dollars of growth capital, and I, I say that we're, uh, you know, I still firmly within those guardrails. Um, given the given the pipeline, I, I would expect that we're going to come out. Um, towards the higher end of the range there by the end of the year, but also, you know, we're getting to the point in the year where, um, you know, even if we kick, kick off projects now, there's not a whole lot of time to, to get down the, um, you know, the, the spending curve, if you will, on new projects. So um, right now we still think that range that we gave earlier in the year is a good, good range, but I do think we're going to be towards the upper end of it. Got it. Okay. Um, Sticking with the capital discipline theme and understanding that it's a board decision and there's not much you can say, but historically Interflex with Q3 has evaluated the dividend. So instead of asking you about the dividend specifically, maybe you could give us a sense of how you're, you currently rank the dividend versus other capital allocation priorities like growth capex, M&A, including you know, potential acquisitions to bolster your energy transition ambitions, debt repayment, or an NCIB? Yeah, sure. Um, 
so, you know, I, I, I would say that our priorities have stayed very consistent. Um, Aaron, it's, it's, you know, as you know, uh, number one priority has always been about maintaining a healthy balance sheet, and that's, that's priority number one. Um, you know, we, we're seeing really good growth opportunities, as we just mentioned, as Mark just talked through. So uh, that's certainly our, our second uh, priority. Um, and then I think, you know, the, the dividend would, um, would sort of follow behind that. But, um, you know, as, as, I appreciate you caveating the question the way that you did. Like, that's, uh, that's very much a, a board discussion that we have every quarter. And, um, you know, we sort of look at all the, all the factors uh, before, before making the decision for each quarter. Understood. And last question for me, uh, just on margins. I assume there's a lot of idle capacity uh, among your peers in terms of the, the manufacturing capacity. Maybe could you talk about the competitive environment for your recent bookings and potential future bookings? Obviously, you also mentioned that gas, uh, gas processing uh, or your, your bookings were heavily weighted to gas processing, which I think historically is at a higher margin. But should we temper margin expectations going forward as you kind of add incremental bookings to the backlog? Aaron, this is Mark. I think it would be smart to temper those expectations, especially for compression bookings. There is a lot of, a lot of great competition in the compression packaging and service space. And although we're very happy with the quarter that we've had, um, it's still early in the recovery. So I would say there's, there's still uh, more hunger out there than, than we would like, and it may take a little while for margins to meaningfully change within that sector. Gas processing is slightly different, but we still have a lot of great competition in the gas processing business. Um, so yeah, I, I think it would be smart to temper expectations for a hard snapback in margins. Are you staying, maybe I'll sneak one more in, are you staying pretty firm on, on how you're bidding things and the margin expectations you have, or are you trying to fill the, the facilities as well? Aaron, I, I'd rather not go into that too much, but we, you know, the, the one of the key skill sets for our management teams in those big ES businesses of the United States and Canada is really looking at all those opportunities and looking at, at the risks of executing them and deciding on a margin that's appropriate for the customers, the jobs, the competitive environment. So it's really a day-to-day -day analysis that the teams do to try to maximize margin at all times. And the, the, the empty capacity amongst our competitors is a, is a really big part of that, you know, that math. So as long as we're at the early stages of the recovery, there's going to be a lot of competitive pressures, no doubt. Understood. Thanks uh, for taking my questions. I'll turn it over. Thank you. Our next question will come from Cole Pereira with Cecil. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, everyone. I uh, just wanted to start with the uh, U.S. bookings number. It was obviously very strong. Can you uh, just comment um, if there were any energy transition projects in there, or does that still remain more of a 2022-2023 story? There's, it's more of a 2022-2023 story. The energy transition for us were, were, I would say, very active in the inquiry-to-order pipeline for energy transition businesses, um, in, in biofuels, in carbon capture, and in hydrogen and e-compression, th those sort of four areas that we mentioned, more in the pipeline than in the backlog. Okay, perfect, thanks. And apologies, my uh, line cut out, so apologies if I'm uh, re-asking, but 
thinking about the additional asset ownership opportunities, can you just comment on how we should be thinking about Enterflex allocating capital between boom assets and contract compression? I, I don't think we've ever given a percentage that we want to send here and percentage we send there. Um, we, we really like our, our U.S. contract compression fleet's performance through the pandemic, and we're going to put an appropriate amount of growth capital into that business. The boom projects that we mention are in the pipeline are, are very interesting to us as well. So we, we don't go into a ton of details about which one sort of gets more money. Nope, that's, uh, that's totally fair. And I mean, thinking about Canada, it's historically been a smaller piece of the ES business, but with a strong activity outlook and in particular strong natural gas prices, do you see it becoming a bit more of a contributor? And are you happy with your current footprint in the region? I, I'm I'm more optimistic about the outlook for engineered systems and AMS uh, in Canada today than I have been maybe for the last three or four years. Yeah, it's our the customers in Canada are um, they've gone through a tough period. They've got their balance sheet squared away. They got they got their overhead structure squared away. The the gas prices they're realizing in the WCSB are healthier than they have been for a long time. And so the discussions we're having clients are really positive. I'm very happy with our footprint in Canada and, and not just the shop, but our people. You know, we've worked really hard to make sure we have prioritized keeping the human capital that we really need to serve our customers going forward. That's the engineers that understand gas processing and compression, carbon capture, electric compression, all those things that our Canadian customers are, are engaging with us today. So I, I'm optimistic about the outlook. Um, we've got the people in the shop that we need to capitalize on what I think will be a healthy um, three to five, maybe even longer upcycle in the Canadian market. Okay, great. And just one last one for me. Um, as activity continues to increase, are you concerned at all about uh, labor availability in North America? We are for sure. The, um, uh, the, the labor, like labor, so for hourly employees, um, good field technicians are always a very uh, hot commodity in our core to our success. And so we've been paying attention to the, the labor markets really for the last six months as we've seen the macro pickup upstream and the rig counts increase and gas and oil prices increase. We, we knew the day was coming that our field service people and our shops would get busier. So we've been as proactive as we can be to make sure that we uh, have the best talent strategies possible. Okay, great. Uh, that's helpful. Thanks. I'll turn it back. Thank you. As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press the star then one key. Our next question will come from Tim Monticello with ATV Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, morning. Most of the questions I had have been answered, but I was just curious about I guess lead times, there's you know, a lot of commentary in the market from your peers in the U.S., especially about uh, cat engines and delays to, to get those. But it strikes me that your inventory levels are still pretty high. Do you think that that's going to be a headwind on, on deliveries for the, um, the new bookings that you're getting in the second half of the year? And what do lead times look like today? I don't know, uh, Tim. It, it very well could be a headwind. Um, we'll have to see uh, what happens from that point of view. I'm not feeling that it's going to be a really acute, significant impact 
on our engineered systems business. Our lead times today are in the 20 plus week range. And, you know, Caterpillar and Ariel, uh, two of our main suppliers, uh, Waukesha is another key supplier. They are um, looking very closely at their supply chains and, and trying to ramp up. And again, we're still at the early phases of this, so I, I'm not that concerned about it today. Okay, does your inventory have a significant piece of it that would be those critical components? Uh, for sure, it does. Okay. And and we're um, we're working on it. <laughs> a lot of the a lot of that inventory um, will be reduced in the coming quarters based on the big bookings quarter we had. Okay, got it. Um, and, and then just on I guess a geographical basis, as uh, you know, the commentary coming into the quarter, I would have expected um, the U.S. probably not to be as strong as it was, and and you know, he's talking about how strong the outlook is for Canada. How would you rank? the three markets in terms of current activity levels, in terms of, I guess, bookings and queries? Sure, the, the bookings in the quarter were very close to a third, a third, a third between Canada and the United States and and rest of the world. So that's pretty okay. broad-based, pretty evenly split. Um, the pipeline of opportunities are equally positive in all three regions. The engineered systems opportunity set in Canada and the United States are both very healthy. Um, and in the U.S., it's, it's multiple basins uh, around the country. In Canada, it's almost all Montney Shale business. And international, a lot of the activity level is really based on our broom projects um, uh, in the rest of the world segment. So it's, it's broad-based. We're really happy with what we're seeing in all the regions. Okay. And then just the last one for me, just on the energy transition conversations that you're having, um, are these typical counterparties for you? Are these, you know, mostly EMP and midstream companies that you're talking to, or are you getting a more broad-based industrial um, client base coming to you? Tim, what we're what what really I'm excited about in energy transition is the fact that we're talking to both existing customers that we have great relationships with and brand new customers. That, that we didn't really know before. Um, there are industrial users in the post and pre-combustion space for carbon capture. Um, when we look at biofuels, that's a lot of new customers. When we look at other carbon capture utilization storage projects, we're working really closely with traditional EMP customers and midstream customers in Canada and the United States. So it's really, it's like three-dimensional, the, the number of folks and projects and ways we're looking at the different projects. It's, uh, it's really exciting, frankly. I mean, we've got, you know, over 30 carbon capture opportunities we're currently looking at in various stages, and those are in the United States, they're in Canada, they're with midstream companies, they're with E&P companies, they're with industrial companies. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, the, the stuff we see coming into the pipeline right now. Okay, I lied. I guess one, one more question here, uh, just to follow on. What's the typical size of those projects? They're, they're the size that would be great for modularization. And the, the tons per day number I don't have at the top of my head, but a lot of the work we've been doing with the energy transition team over the last six months is saying, listen, where do our modular equipment, where does that expertise, where is that best applied to carbon capture and storage, and not surprisingly, it covers a pretty big percentage of all the capture opportunities that are out there would be well solved with the modular solution. We, we have a number that sort of modular, modular solutions 
are really appropriate up to an X ton per annum capture facility. I just don't have that, but it's a big percentage of the overall opportunity set. Okay, got it. Thanks a lot. I'll turn it back. Thank you. I'm showing no further questions in the queue at this time. I would now like to turn the call back over to Mr. Mark Rossiter for any closing remarks. Well, thank you, operator. Um, since there are no further questions, I would like to once again thank you for joining us on the call. We look forward to giving you our second quarter results in November. Third quarter results in November. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.